We're continuing to talk about the Holy Spirit, and this morning we're going to look at several passages, some in John, and I want to go over in Luke a little bit. Um, John chapter 16, and we're going to read verse 13. John 16, 13. It says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, I had a, um, I had a different uh, sermon illustration to open the sermon this morning, but I finished uh, this book last night. It's, it's called Empire of Pain, um, and it's about the Sackler family, which is the family uh, that, owns, uh, that owned Purdue Pharma, which brought OxyContin into the world. And um, over the last 20 years, uh, OxyContin has been responsible for literally the deaths of hundreds uh, of thousands of people. Um, one of the things that's infuriating about this book, I know, you know, as you look at those deaths, there are some people who were already addicts, and going back to what Chad said a minute ago, that doesn't mean we, we, we are glad bad things happen to them, we pray for them, we want everybody to be safe. One of the most tragic things about this story, though, is that, that as they went out and shared the information about OxyContin, they, they told the prescribing doctors early on, they said, this is, this is a drug that almost never causes addiction. In one thing that they said, they said in a, in a survey or in a study of 11,000 people, only four got addicted. So a lot of doctors felt safe prescribing it. And, and one of the great tragedies, and again, everybody's a tragedy that, that passed away because of this, but one of the truly horrible things about this particular drug was there were a lot of people who got injured at work or, or had a sports injury in a softball game or something and went to their family doctor and the family doctor said, this will help you with the pain, and it's not going to be addicting. And they started taking the drug, and it ended up costing them everything. Their money, their, in many cases, their life. And the point I want to bring out of that with regard to where we're going this morning was this. When, when that patient was told that, it was a lie. Now, the, the doctor may not have known it was a lie, but the people at Purdue Pharma knew it was a lie. The Sacklers knew it was a lie. And they said that anyway. And this person who had the injury at work received that drug and started taking it and ended up, in many cases, addicted, ended up dying. They didn't know it was a lie. And that didn't save them. They didn't know it was a lie, and that didn't save them. It's really important, and that's what we want to talk about this morning, that we understand the truth. It's really important that we understand the truth. And as you look at John chapter 16 here, we live in a world that so often, um, and we'll get more into this later, so often really fudges the edges on, on what is truth and what a lie is, and we want to get into this morning why that's so dangerous, and the Sackler family situation is a perfect example of 
how there are often consequences. There are usually consequences to those actions. But as you look at John chapter 16 and verse 13, we're just going to start with that idea, um, but when he, the Spirit of truth. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. And one of the things about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about a number of things through this series, one of the things about him is that the Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. He, he has come to guide us into the truth. That Sackler illustration points out to us how important it is that you walk in the truth. Those, those people didn't know they were walking in a lie, and they still ended up in the situation, the horrible situation they were in. We want to talk this morning about why it's so important that we have a spirit of truth and why it's so important that we listen to the spirit of truth. We need to lay out a few things early on to just kind of set up why this is a big deal. And then I want to dig down on this passage and, and a couple others to talk about um, uh, why or how exactly the Holy Spirit works in our, in our lives. Why is this a big deal? Number one, beliefs have a profound impact on our lives. Beliefs have a profact impact, profound impact on our lives. We don't think about it. This is very basic. We don't think about it. But the, the, the things that we believe uh, make an incredible impact on the life that, that we live. How many of you guys, um, how many of you all, when you left your house this morning, locked your doors? Raise, raise a hand. Um, almost all of us. Why? Because we believe that we live in a society where it's important to lock up your stuff because there are folks that will come in and, and possibly take your stuff whenever uh, you're gone. And so that belief creates that action. I, every time I walk out the door, I lock the door because I, I don't know what's going to happen. And so we need to understand that the things that we believe end up creating the lives that we live. They have a profound impact on the way that we live our lives, which leads to the second thing, and that's this. Sincere beliefs can be wrong. Sincere beliefs can be wrong. This is, now we're going to start getting into some difficult stuff. So one of the things that we believe in our society is that as long as you sincerely hold a belief, then it is true, this is important, pay attention, then it's true for you. If Bill believes something and I believe something different, it's true for Bill. And what I believe is true for me. This is important, pay attention. At the end of the day, there is not truth for Bill and truth for me. There is only truth. There is only that which is true and that which is false. And it doesn't matter if something is true. It doesn't matter if I believe it is false. Because something is objectively true. We talk about truth oftentimes as though it's ice cream. That like, you know, Bill can like vanilla and Chad can like strawberry and I like chocolate. And everybody can be right at the same time. Truth in most of the important things in life, I'm not talking about what team you like, but in most of the important things about life, who is God, and, and what is the value of a life, and, and what are we supposed to do with our lives? In those things, truth is not like ice cream, where everybody can have their own flavor, it's okay. Truth is like math. If I say that 2 plus 2 is 4, and Bill says 2 plus 2 is 5, one of us is right and one of us is wrong. And we need to understand as we, as we get into these ideas, that we can sincerely hold a belief. I may sincerely believe something, and yet in the end it turns out it's wrong. And because, going back to what we just said a moment ago, our beliefs have a profound impact on our lives. If I believe something that is wrong, is that going to impact my life? It absolutely is. Let me give an example. This is a really dumb one. When I was a kid, 
Uh, so my birthday is May 31st. Everybody make a note of that. I like Titleist Pro V1s. Everybody write that down. Um, so my birthday is May 31st. And when I was young, um, I got confused about the idea at the end of February that there was a, a leap year day. And in my confusion, I thought that every 31st, I realize it's really the 29th. I was a dumb kid. Don't. Um, I thought that every 31st of a month was there sometimes and not there sometimes. And so for a, a relatively short period of time, I had a, a real concern that I was not going to get birthday. I didn't care how old I got. I was concerned I wanted to get birthday presents every year. That was the real concern. Now, it's easy to laugh about that and say, well, you know, Jim, that, that wasn't true. I mean, you know, there is a leap, you know, there are leap years, but, but you know, every 31st shows up. And yet, that impacted the, the way that I thought and it impacted the way that I, I was uh, full of fear for that period of time. We need to understand that the fact that I thought that, the fact that I believed that, did not make it true. I sincerely believed that for a short period of time, and that did not make it true. Just because we sincerely believe something doesn't make it true. When God says something is true, that makes it true. Now let me say that again, and if you believe that, say amen. When God says something is true, that makes it true. All right, now that leads us to the third thing, and we're going to get into John 16, and that is this. False beliefs can be damaging. False beliefs can be damaging. The, the example I used was just kind of silly, but what we see all around us, and I want to at the end of the sermon get into three specific passages in Luke to unpack the way that this looks, but what we see all around us is that people believe things that are false, and then those beliefs create damage in their lives. To go back to what I said at the beginning about this book, they sincerely believed that they were going to be okay taking that medicine, and it ended up being incredibly damaging to a lot of people's lives. And especially when it comes to moral truths and spiritual truths, what we see all around us every day is people believing things that are not true. They think they're true, they're sincere about it, and yet it's not biblically true. And those beliefs end up creating incredible damage in their lives. There's a great book by John Krakauer called Into Thin Air about um, some climbers of Mount Everest. That book probably came out 25 years ago now. And there's a story in there about uh, Andy Harris. Andy Harris was a, a leader of, a, of an expedition that, that climbed to the top of Mount Everest and came down one day too late. They, there's a certain window you need to come down during, and he pushed it too late. And by the time he got back to the camp, not base camp, but the, the first camp that he got down to, um, he was suffering from, from oxygen depletion. And so he gets to that camp, and there, he's radioing to the people all the way down that all of the oxygen canisters that they have there are empty. And he's freaking out because he needs the oxygen, and, and all he has is empty canisters. The people who had just gone down uh, earlier, they know they're full. They know the canisters are full of oxygen. And so they're arguing with him. They're like, no, they're full. Hook up to it. it the oxygen is good. And he keeps telling them, no, 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 they're empty. I can't do it. I need oxygen. Where am I going to get oxygen? The oxygen was right in front of him. And in his brain, in his oxygen-depleted confusion, he would not hook up to the oxygen that was right in front of him, and it ended up costing him his life. False beliefs can be damaging. And so we have been given John chapter 16 and verse 13. When he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Because 
there are so many false beliefs, and because those false beliefs are damaging, God has given us the Holy Spirit. One of the things he does is he, he is a spirit of truth to help us to know that which is actually true. Now, how do we respond to that? Well, let, let's um, talk about that. Why do we need a spirit of truth? And the answer is because truth must be sought. Because truth must be sought. I want you to look after look at verse 13. It says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, so that's the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit, as I said a moment ago, has been given to us so that we will know that which is true and so that we will be able to understand that which is true. So we don't end up running after things that are false and running at, receiving the damage in our lives. But look at what it says. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. That is very different. He's saying the truth has to be what? Sought. We, we have to be guided by the Holy Spirit into that which is true. Notice how different that is from what I was saying earlier when I was talking about Bill and I or, and, and Chad and everybody else. What we often believe today is this. What I believe is true, period, end of discussion. It's, it's my truth. And so I have my truth, and, and I believe that this is true. I believe that, that God is this, or I believe that God is that, or I believe that if I live for my own pleasure, that's okay. Whatever it happens to be, we, we today hold on to that and say, if I believe it, it must be true, and so we hold on to our own truth what we've been given, and then we end up seeing. Here's an easy amen. Our culture is a mess. Amen? Why is our culture a mess? Our culture is not a mess because there is some elite out there who is saying, okay, I want our culture to be a mess, and so I'm going to make it a mess. Our culture is a mess because tons of people individually are making decisions based on things that aren't true. I'm going to live for myself. I have to elevate myself. I'm the most important thing, and I have to put myself... No, I'm not the most important thing. Jesus Christ is the most important thing, and if I put myself first, I'm going to end up in a mess. Well, I, you know, I, I'm not going to get into all this. There are all these things within our society where we are believing these things that aren't true, and we look around, our society is a disaster area. Why? Because people believe things that aren't true, and when you believe things that aren't true... You end up with damaged lives. Here, we so often say, what I believe is true, and I'm going to go with my truth. What's it saying in verse 13? But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. You're not going to find that by looking within your heart and believing what your heart says. That is Disney movie insanity. Don't look within your heart and believe whatever your heart says is true. Why? Because the Bible tells us that my heart in its natural state is desperately wicked and will lead me into sin. If I believe what I want to do and if I believe whatever my heart tells me to do, it's going to tell me to do things that are so often selfish. It's going to tell me to do things that are self-centered. It's going to tell me to do things that are egotistical. I should not look into my heart and say, I'm going to do whatever my heart tells me. I need to look in the Bible and do what Jesus tells me to do. And so instead of having that self-centered thing where I'm just going to believe whatever I want to believe, verse 13 tells me, that, as it says there, he will guide you into all the truth. The very first step is this. I have to want the truth. I have to want that Holy Spirit to guide me in the direction where I'm going to experience that truth. Instead of just saying, I'm going to believe what I want to believe, and I'm going to stay right there, I need to say, Heavenly Father, you have given me the Holy Spirit within me 
to guide me into the truth. I, this sounds really dumb, but we need to start there. I want to know what is true. I want to walk in the truth. I want your Holy Spirit to guide me so that I live my life based on the things that are true, based on the things that are real, rather than living for things that I think are true, but ultimately are false. I don't want to experience that damage. Look with me in John chapter 17. If we are willing to do that, um, if I'm willing to quit saying, I'm just going to believe whatever I want to believe, and instead I want to know what the, the, the truth of God is, and I begin to ask the Holy Spirit to guide me, what's going to happen in my life? There's a lot we could talk about. I'm just going to talk about two things. And on the second one, I want to give you some examples of what that looks like. Um, I want to look at three passages just briefly to look at what that looks like. In, in John 17, it tells us one of the, uh, of the things that will happen if I desire for the Holy Spirit of truth to, to lead, guide, and direct me. The first thing is this. The truth sanctifies us. The truth sanctifies us. Um, John chapter 17 and verse 17. This is later in the same speech we were um, looking at earlier. John 17, 17 says, Jesus is speaking, he says, Sanctify them by, your, by the truth, your word, is truth. What does sanctify mean? That sounds really like uppity and self-righteous. It's not uppity and self-righteous. What it means, sanctify, the simplest definition I can give you of sanctify is, okay, me and my natural condition is, I'm full of sin, and, and, and I've got all these bad ideas, and Jesus over here is perfect. Jesus is without sin, and everything he believes is true. The process of sanctification is this. God takes me, God the Father takes me where I am, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, God takes me where I am, and he scrubs me up so that I become sanctified along the way, so that I become less like this sinful person who is a disaster area and more like Jesus who is without sin. So sanctification just means that I go from being this mess over to being somebody that is like Jesus. I have less and less of sin, and I have more and more of Jesus. How do we get sanctified? How do we have that scrubbing of our, our souls happen? What's verse 17 say? Sanctify them by the what? Let me say it again. Say it louder. Sanctify them by the, the truth. If I believe things that are false, if I believe things that are not what God would have me to do, if I'm holding on to those things, I'm not going to be able to be sanctified and be able to move in the direction that God wants me to move. It has to be that I receive the truth. Going back to what John 16, 13 says, I ask the Holy Spirit to guide me in that truth. We talked a couple weeks ago about the fact that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. If I want more love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, all those things, if I want more of that in my life, I have to say, Holy Spirit, guide me into your truth. I want to experience that joy. I want to experience that peace. I want to have all those things within my life. And so, to be sanctified, we have to receive the truth into our lives. Now look with me back in John chapter 8. John 8. John 8.32 says this. This is again Jesus speaking. John 8.32 says, Then you will know the truth, and the truth 
will set you free. The second thing is this, the truth sets us free. The truth sets us free. Now, we need to talk about this because people are confused about verse 32. Because what they often think it means, and you know, Dr. King's speech and, and other orders that, that have used this uh, phrase down through the years, um, you know, it's a beautiful phrase. The truth will set you free. It's an awesome thing to think about. And what we often just use it as is this, is this oratory that, that makes us, you know, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. This isn't just oratory. This is a spiritual principle. If I am believing things that are false, I'm going to be damaged, and I'm going to be a mess, and I'm going to end up with things in my life that are falling apart. If I go in the path of the truth, the truth will set me free from those errors and those mistakes and those sins and will lead me to a place where as I have the truth, I will be set free from those things. Let me give you three examples. Look with me back in the book of Luke, in Luke chapter 7. I'm just going to just briefly talk about these three to kind of illustrate what what this looks like at a practical level. Luke chapter 7. So what does it look like when I, I grasp onto a truth that the Bible says and, and, and I get set free by that? Three examples. Luke 7, 40 through 42. Jesus is here, there's a sinful woman here and there's a Pharisee that's full of self-righteousness. John, or I'm sorry, Luke 7, 40 says, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave both of them. Which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. Now, we don't have time to totally unpack that. One of the things that passage teaches us is that when we are forgiven of more, when I come to God and my life has been a disaster area, it's not that God looks at me and says, nope, nope, I'm not going to save you. But in the ironic, um, mystical way that grace happens, those, it says later in this passage, those who have been forgiven more, love more. And so it's not that, well, you've, you've sinned too much, you, you know, God can't do anything with you, but rather, in fact, when you have sinned more because salvation comes by grace, you're actually somebody who's going to end up with a great love of God. Now, what is that? Okay, okay, I get that, Jim. How does that go with the truth will set you free? I know so many people when, who are unsaved that when you ask them about salvation, they'll say, that a nickel for every time I've heard this. You don't know what I've done. What are they saying? I've sinned too much. And I can't be saved. If I, if I was a, a, a good person or if I was somebody that hadn't done all this bad stuff, you know, maybe God could save me. But you don't know what I've done. I've sinned too much. They believe that is true. Jesus says that's false. In that passage, Jesus says that, that the one who's been forgiven much is going to love much. God is willing to forgive that person. They are living in an unwillingness to be set free spiritually. They're continuing in their sins because they believe a lie, and the lie is this, that they've sinned more than Jesus can forgive. And it's only as you understand the truth, if that person were to grasp the truth, that God, even for the one who has sinned greatly, God will receive that person with joy because that person's going to love God more because in the, in the economy of grace, that person, having been forgiven of much, is going to love much. They would be set free from their sins. They're still in their sins because they believe a lie. 
Does that make sense? Look with me in Luke chapter 6. Just back. Luke 6, 46. Luke 6, 46. It says, Jesus says there, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? For As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. So Jesus here says that as we come to him, the, the, the standard of, of being part of his is that we put what he says into practice. Now, on the other hand, there are a lot of people who their thought is, okay, being a Christian means that I say I believe in Jesus, and then I'm going to go and do whatever I want to do. I'm not going to live for Jesus. I don't want to live for Jesus. I'm going to do my own thing. But I feel okay spiritually because I say I believe in Jesus even though I'm doing other things. What Jesus says is the one who puts into practice his teaching is the one that's really a Christian. So this person over here, they end up in a life where they say that they're okay, but then they, they don't experience the presence of God. And then they end up in a situation where their, their life is kind of falling apart, and they're like, I don't understand. I, I thought I had God, and my life is falling apart. Why? Because they believed something that wasn't true. They believed that just saying you believed in Jesus was enough, when what Jesus says is part of believing in him is actually doing what he says. And so you have to have that understanding. Look with me in Luke chapter 6 and verse 37. Just one more example real quick. Luke 6, 37, same chapter. It says there, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Let's just take the first one. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. We as Christians in America today have made it our mission, in many cases, to be as judgmental as we can. Like, this is wrong, and that's wrong, and everything's wrong, and you all are idiots, and, and we spend all this time judging. The Bible tells us that it's God's job to judge, and it's our job to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And so we end up with a church that, in many cases, people look down upon and say, I don't want to be any part of that, because we aren't taking in what is the truth, which is that's God's job, and we have our job, and instead we're believing something that's false, which is we're going to do what God wanted us to do. Now, as, as we get ready for our invitations, here's the question I want to ask you. Um, as we think about all these things, in your life, are you, are you seeking to know what God says is true as much as possible? Do you desire that the Holy Spirit within you would guide you that you could have as much of God's truth as you could get? Or are you somebody who has bought into the lie that the world says, which is, I have my truth, and you have your truth, and everything will work out okay. If we want to experience being set free, if we want to experience being like Jesus, one of the places that starts is asking the Holy Spirit to come in and begin the process of actually guiding us to a full understanding Father, I pray this morning thanking you that you've not left us uncertain and confused. And I pray, Father, that this morning we would want all of the truth that we can get. Through your Holy Spirit, Father, guide us to the truth. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.